Welcome along to Season 4, Episode 19 of LOI Weekly. Ronan Finn and John Caulfield on the show today. It's pretty straightforward. We talked to the two of them individually. Uh, we're still on Zoom uh, in this strange time that we live in. And uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how Galway United and Shamrock Rovers get on for the remainder of the season. Um, and it is thanks to our sponsor, Lotto Land, that we're here. You'll find all the odds and special bets for all the rest of the SSE or Tristy League Premier Division season. Check out lottoland.e forward slash sportsbook. Make sure to stay tuned. I will be giving out some of their LOI specials during the show. You will find us on, on Podcast Republic, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, at LOI Weekly on Twitter, in association with Air Sport and Independent.e. We'll obviously talk uh, Bose Rovers. We'll talk a bit of Rovers Milan next week. We'll talk a bit of John Caulfield's Renaissance. But Dan, um, whether or not we should, we should probably start with Ireland and the rather uninspiring first couple of games in Stephen Kenny's tenure and you've been very keen on Twitter to downplay people downplaying um, the start oh, yeah I know it's just I mean well I don't know I don't know what you think you you, you I haven't heard too much out of you um, the last couple of days I really. agree with what you're saying because it's like it's just too weird just think people are, yeah I'm like, it's funny I actually wonder if really the backlash has been exaggerated a small bit to some degree like I think you know probably people those of us who work in media and you know, journalism who like populate the on- online space so much tend to react so much to like stuff we see online, like replies to messages and stuff. So, like, you know, the FBI put up a post match, you know, full time result, and like 10, 11, 12 different people or whatever all reply and go, Oh, a load of rubbish, you know. Where you know, like, it's not necessarily like a sort of a dramatic the negative response. It's to be expected. This is part of what comes with the job. We've predicted it from a long way off. Uh, mention it that, you know, if things start to go bad for Stephen Kenny, straight away it'll be blamed in his background. That's we we said that with Mark Ross there last week. It's always going to be the it was always going to be the way. And you just sort of have to suffer through some of that without being too sensitive to it and acknowledge that we're, you know, that 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 is always going to be part of the process. But at the same time, he's not absolved from criticism in any way either. And he can't, like, it needs to cease. Like, this needs to be, like, a, a change of, like, football culture in this country appointment, which is a lot of pressure, both in terms of style of play and both in terms of the discussion. And, like, there shouldn't be camps forming, you know? There shouldn't be any sort of, like, uh, you're on that side and you're on that side. And, you know, you're a League of Ireland person. Well, of course, you defend them. And, and you're not, what would you know? You only support club in England. Like, they, that can't be the whole debate the way it goes. But it does emphasise probably why like you probably did need a win or two early just to calm some of that stuff down. Um well, Mick McCarthy was doing the chill, you know. Yeah, Mick McCarthy was doing COCOM obviously for the uh, Bulgaria game. And Mick McCarthy's probably thinking after those two games, we would have gotten two draws at worst out of those two games because we would have defended more compact, as Kenny was saying, they protect the back four. So Ireland passed the ball a lot against Finland and really did nothing with it. So it's kind of like um, he, he, he kind of has to prove, I guess, that he can get them passing, but doesn't leave them vulnerable such that like we look like we're going to concede a lot. Um, so it's, it's just interesting times. Um, it's just a change. It's change. Like, I mean, like, I mean you, say that the, on Sunday. But you say that about the whole Mick McCarthy thing. Like, well, the Nations League, you play against teams that are roughly the same level as you, you know, mm. and, and, and Ireland's big qualifiers last year were the, the, the four games against um, Switzerland and Denmark, I guess, where the teams were similar level or higher level, you know, like yeah. they would be, Denmark would have been in League B before. 
And so you look at the last six games. So you got Finland, Bulgaria, and the, the Switzerland Denmark games. And Ireland have been one nil down with five minutes to go in all six of those games. That is a fact. Yeah. What way you play, what your style is, whatever your whether you're more compact or whether you are. Ireland still conceded the first goal and were one nil down in all of those games. But uh, Shane Duffy got a header in Denmark. Shane Duffy got a header in Bulgaria. You know, and there was a couple of rallies in the home games last year from the Goldrick and Doherty to get draws. So really, like. You know that, that 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 that's that's the reality of it, and a lot of the commentary over the last week there's actually not necessarily not as not as really been a load of people banging on, who are sort of madly prominent figures who are like getting worried. Like most people acknowledge who are following football are, are not getting knee jerk. You did have that bizarre contribution where like Noel King came out of nowhere. With a, a column, do you, do you remember? Like, you know, I don't know if you ever Great watched the under twenty one. Did you ever watch the? Um, did you ever watch the wrestling back in the day? Right, where they have this over the top like choreographed thing, where all of a sudden this character who's been in cold storage for like three months emerges midway through the Royal Rumble with a chair or something. Yeah. It's like it's like oh my god, you know, here comes the Undertaker out of nowhere. Yeah. It's like this is like a really shit version of that, right? Where like Irish people, and I don't know where here comes. King, here comes Noel <laughs> King, <laughs> and King emerges from left field with his chair, going, ah, maybe he's what not did he do with his job. chair? What did he actually or, say? Or, or, or Roddy, you know, he's he's had an issue with Stephen Kenny going back twenty years, and I know right. this having previously goes written his column, um, for a number of time, long period of time, um, I know Noel King was, like, it was, in fairness, the column wasn't that bad, but just in the midst of it, it was like, maybe he's just not the man for the job, and it's like. Oh God! I, mean, I think a week previously you called them the Messiah. But look at this is, <laughs> but this is, but this is like this is the biggest job in the country, right? In sport, and this is part of the commentary. And it's just the, actually the, probably is it the, only, the Irish rugby job. Yeah, of course it is. It that's, never, a, that's an interesting it, one now. It, it's miles bigger. Miles mm. bigger. Are you the Ireland like, Ireland rugby team is miles better than the Irish football team. Yeah, but it's but are you te- it ne- listen? I'm involved with off the ball, as are you. The, the the number of texts they get from the Irish football team is far higher than anything else. Who would they want else. more, Joe Schmidt or the or Mick McCarthy a year ago? Say a year ago, if they Joe Schmidt or Mick McCarthy, who would they go for? What, for dinner? Or an, uh, no, or like no. It was, it was a hypothetical. <laughs> Listen, you can I, have the Ireland manager, but you have to make a choice. It's Joe Schmidt or it's Mick McCarthy. What, what, as a guest on the show, or you're, yeah, you're very un- <laughs> so um, I, I, like who, who's the big? It doesn't bigger- matter. It doesn't. Maybe Schmidt might be the bigger draw, but there'd be more anyway. reaction to there might be more reaction to the Mick interview. But this is my point. It's the biggest job. I'm not saying it's the best, like that the person in it is doing the best job, but I'm saying that it's the highest profile commentary sports job. Like we've mm. never had the Irish rugby team's decisions uh, and trials and tribulations discussed on live line. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, we've had that with Steve Staunton's era and stuff. There is no comparison, actually. Like, honestly, there's a large swathe of people who just do, who who just are indifferent to the rugby team. Whereas, everyone tends to have an opinion about the football team, even if they want to give their opinion that they're shite, they're still giving their opinion. So like, that's the whole. T- and, and Stephen Kenny is now in that in that space. Like, that's, what was he that's, like that's, after that's the game? I was at a. I was was he was he kind of chilled out? Was he like, uh, did he show any signs of concern? 
Well, the Rovers Rovers was Saturday, so I don't know if you yeah. were there for 48 hours. No, I was at that game. I'll talk about that afterwards. You were at the Ireland game. He was, he was, he was, he, he was grand. Like, you know, again, like, there's a couple of very predictable things. You see some people don't know about Stephen Kenny going, oh, he doesn't look comfortable in front of the microphones mm. afterwards. Oh, he didn't look sure of himself. And you see that from people who've never watched an interview of inevitable. Boring and predictable and inevitable. That, that, that was going to happen. And we knew that was going to happen. So, like, you know, just accept it. They're, like, when he's winning, it's like, oh, softly spoken genius. If he's losing, mm. it's like, oh, he's, he's under pressure here. You know, like, that's always going to be a part of it. The one bizarre tone of commentary I've started to hear, though, and, like, there was a bit of it from, like, you know, uh, people in the press box and stuff, like, talking about, oh, you know, this back four is gone now. Like it's it's been ruined and all this. I I said I point out like we're one nil behind in all of the games. You know, all of the big games in the last year, playing in one way and playing in the other way. Mm. You know, Ireland end up in the same situation all the time. But like even now, there's a sense of oh, there's a new CEO coming in, and the Irish football team is about results. And if they're not winning games, you know, they'll need. Like this is about changing, snapping out of a cycle whereby. For like 10 to 15 years, the Irish international manager's job was one of the highest paid jobs in Europe. It was a top five uh, paid job for like a top 40 football nation, right? And uh, when things aren't going well, you throw money at a big hit to come in and, and fill the ground at short notice. Uh, for and then you do it again, you do it, and like after two games, people are already starting to talk about, oh, they'll start to wonder about the commercials here. It's like, Come on, like you have to be better than that in terms of like rational analysis of where things are. But at the same time, acknowledge that, of course, if they lose in Slovakia, which is very possible, um, you know, there's going to be a big backlash, and you just have to hold firm and stick with your beliefs and 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 trust that this was a long-term appointment. Now, in a weird way, we are not going down to COVID talk. We're not we're not going down to COVID down today, right? Uh, I don't like discussing it with you, but. In a weird way, right? All the pressure around the Euros has been about missing this incredible occasion in Dublin, you know, next year that we can't bear to miss out on. Who knows if we're even going to have that occasion now? And 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 in a weird way, maybe now is the right time to be experimenting because international football is never going to be as low key, perhaps, as it might be. And in a way, like if there's no one going to the games. And and this existence is going to stick around for a while. You may as well try and implement your style now and be ready for whenever we break back out into the into the world again. Because like we don't even know if when the playoffs, when the qualifiers for the World Cup start next March, if the fans are going to be there. But like I think Stephen Kingsford deserves the time to maybe have a home game with crowd there. You know, mm. <laughs> like and, and and like people are rushing to judgment up. I like I can't stress like of all the closed doors games I've been to. This you know, it made some time. There's no doubt that the cavernous Aviva, you know, and the players were in a bit of pre-season mode or whatever. It was just like, it was like no other international game I've ever covered before. And I actually just found it hard, really hard, having done the, the first one off the telly, and I was a lot more engaged by that and, and analysing it. But I even found with Sunday, it was just, this is such a weird non-event here that I mm. can't get energised by anything here. Now, this is this is only what it is. It's a, You're energized a today. Or something. Well, yeah, energized enough, you know. Yeah, energized no, it's, enough. It, it's but I, I just think we, we need we need to just everyone just needs to chill. But at the same time, also not be too hypersensitive either, and accept it's the biggest sporting job in the country. There will be people with opinions you don't like about it. That's absolutely fine. Like after Mick McCarthy's first game in Gibraltar as well, 
a lot of people well disappointed we bring this dinosaur back like yeah. that was after one and that wasn't fair either so most of us like, follow yeah. um, you know most of us follow who follow the league of Ireland follow a team that he didn't manage as well and you know I'm quite quite happy to take a dispassionate view and say like um, you know there are lots of things that he needs to work on he knows that himself um, but I'm you know I think we're here for the long haul and if we lose so, to Slovakia big deal if you're going to be judging things on three games two of them behind closed doors three of them behind closed doors in, in you know two of them not, not, not all that important in the overall scheme of things well then you're an idiot so we just get on with it and, yeah. and get on to the next game I, I, think, I think anyone who has anyone who had a strong opinion after the two games last week a really strongly negative one Probably had a preconceived notion already. That's the point I would make. You yeah. know, so really, but I honestly think that that's that's actually like a, a noisy minority. I think a lot of people broadly get what this is about. And uh, but I, at the same time, let's not be naive as well. Like a, a win or two in this run would be nice, just to like to take a breath and get time. Like we could talk about. Uh, I mean, we can move move back to the league and look at Stephen Bradley now and 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 Rovers and Bows and and you know Stephen Bradley is quite likely on the way to a league title. Um, but, I mean, there's still work to do, of course. But, you know, they, they sort of trusted in their process when things weren't going well. And he could, you know, if it had been left to a, a, a referendum, you know, I think he would have gone um, at certain stages, there's no doubt. And yet, it was all building towards something eventually. So well, we've, we've like, three, um, you know, very, very high achieving managers in the league. We've obviously Keith Long's done an unbelievable job. We've, um, you know, obviously Bradley, and we have Giovagnoli, who's basically unbeaten at Dundalk, and looks like they're going to be fine. <laughs> like you know, um, you have to be patient. Trust the process. It's yeah. just, uh, it's just interesting. I suppose we should talk about that game. Obviously, you watched the game. Um, I don't know, Dan. So the, the big talking point was obviously the the uh, well. I think the big talking point was the tackle um, scales on Dan on Danny Grant, and uh, I was everyone around me was like that was a stonewall penalty, and then I watched it back and uh, I was like, Derek Tomney, you may have made an incredibly brave call and you may have gotten a right. I don't know. I think Rovers players think it was a penalty, mm. so um, <laughs> like uh, I had to go away I, with one. Yeah, it, the, got away I, one. I, I'm, I'm slightly on the on the fence because I think he kind of ran into him. I don't know what uh, he could have done in that situation. In any event, Rovers have scraped through another game. We'll talk to Ron and Finn about it, but you know they're five points ahead now. Um, that that was their hardest game probably left, with the exception of the all game. I, they're playing Milan. I don't really know where. How how can this? How can they? How can they blow it? Basically, can they blow? Yeah, it? I suppose. That, like, the only thing is, I mean, you, you, they need someone to go on an exceptional run because it does look like teams are just going to go in and sit in against them, and mm. they may have more days. They may have more nil alls. So, like, if if someone if someone can get a run together from somewhere, then like they could draw their way out of the title, maybe. Yeah. But I, you know, but that's reliant on on. Bowes realistically putting a run together. I mean, again, like Dundalk have, have handed, like have chosen to like take themselves out of the title race. And they've, they've quite politely excused themselves from the table <laughs> and, and chose to leave. So what did you make of the game? Actually? They're not there. Well, I only saw the second half because I was out at, a, at an Ireland press conference. Yeah. And I, so I've seen highlights. So like, I actually thought that, that Bowes, in fairness to them, like the last 15, 20 minutes, like they they created like you know they they created moments and well Danny Mandro like, comes on and he was the best player in the pitch yeah it was kind Mandrew, of it was just, it was just well, a strange yeah. one where it was like oh this lad has so much talent and um, yes he's not playing for whatever reason and he was brilliant in that twenty minutes by, by far Bo's best player but it's like you know 
they, they, oh, well, apparently, yeah, apparently very good on the uh, the 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 on twenty one training camp last week as well too. But I mean, clearly, like things haven't been. I don't I don't think it's it's a massive revelation to say that like you know I don't think he's necessarily having great relations with the, with people at the club there at the moment. Right. And I don't think anyone really expects him to be there next February. So I'm going to say the um, talking point apart from that was was Pat's losing three 0 in Watford, which. Again, you have a manager who's just starting off um, and sort of did chances at nil all. But Pats have a serious problem because when they fall behind in games, they generally just struggle to get back in. And this was poor. And, you know, the, the goal, this first goal to give away, always going to be crucial. Massive mix up at the back, I think, between Birmingham, uh, sorry, between um, Desmond and, uh, and Brendan Clark. And it's like, yeah, this is, Pats are closer at the moment. Now, the table is crazy, but they're closer at the moment to second last, I think, than the, than the top four, we'll say. Yeah, no, like the, I think we can't even analyse the league table in that much depth mm. because it's swinging, it's swinging so, so much bad. either way. And, you know, like you have Sligo Rovers at the third now. Like I said, like, you know, the Dock have been really poor and yet, like, with a game in hand, like, they're third comfortably if they win it. You know what I mean? Like, so mm. that's, that's, like, it, it, there's, there's maybe that Cork Finn Harp situation at the bottom that's maybe starting to develop. But beyond that, yeah, Pats is a weird one. I mean, it's, it's a strange one with Pats, really, because I think, obviously, this was meant to be a first full 36-game season for, for Stevie O'Donnell. And it's ended up, like, turning into this condensed, probably, race for Europe. And there's definitely a degree of pressure that, that comes with it. And, yeah, I've watched them a few times now. I actually haven't seen them in the flesh other than the Dundalk game, the first one after the break, where a lot of people were optimistic. So I've only watched them on TV since. Strange, like, just, yeah, just, just like, making, conceding really bad goals. Um, Georgie Kelly hasn't clicked. I think you'd have to Not say yet, hasn't, yeah. hasn't, yeah. hasn't, hasn't clicked at all um, when he's getting a, a run of games after a period of time. But I suppose there's an element of, like, you, you know, you've met an appointment there and you have to trust and, and give it time. But it's, it's, uh, there's they're, they're just there's just a slight brittleness about them, like you know, like that 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 it, that would sort of would worry you a small bit, you know, that they don't look like a team that's like if you talk about like look at Rovers at the weekend, who again, like as much as Rovers haven't set the world delight, they're still you know, they still haven't lost, you know, like they still haven't lost the game. So like there's a sort of a there's a steal there whereas Pats mm. seem like they're they take the least possible out of out of every game. I, no, went for, uh, I went for I went for I went for a point uh, to watch the Ireland game with Rory Houston from RTE, and uh, he was absolutely buzzing about how well Sligo are doing. He also informed me that um, you're going to have to help me with his name here. Penny Gangus is it? The, yeah. The finish left. Timu. Timu actually had a, a feature in the Sligo Champion on Sligo Tourism, spread over two pages. His Instagram has made so much of a hit. Oh, I mean, I uh, at the start of the season, I did a piece about foreign players coming to Ireland, and uh, Timo's Instagram pretty much gave us the the, the money shot, like you know, mm, man, man man walking through countryside, like you know, big tall Scandinavian lad as well, just ads like memories like, like of the Vikings. Are Finns Scandinavian? Actually, I don't think they are. Oh, what would you describe them as? I think they're Baltic, but I I, I think uh, I think they're exempt from the Scandinavian moniker. Are they? Yeah, that's, that's yeah. interesting. That, yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's a mistake I've been making for years in that case. There's yeah, definitely I mean, a sense. There's definitely a sense of. Um, are you Googling Finn Scandinavia there? I am. I'm trying to get on top of the situation here. Um, Tell you one man I've, who's I've, on top of the situation. I've, that's Timu. The big man is I've, in the Sligo champion as a journalist, effectively. But he, but he looks like it just looks like a man who's like actually conquering new lands in his mm. photographs, you know. Mm. But uh, is Finland a part of Scandinavia or not? 
I've, I've somehow found a weird question and answer. It was someone from the Netherlands answering the question. And uh, the answer appears to me, appears to be no. So there you go. Yeah. Um, but Sligo in any event, they're, they're third. Uh, Nord- after Nordic. It's Nordic, Nordic country. There you go. So they've won five games after losing their first four, um, and they play Sligo or they play Pats in a fascinating game. But it's it's just the table is just absolutely insane. Dan, the first division is arguably even more insane. Yeah, and just by the way, I'm just thinking that what we've just done there is called like Katie Taylor British. Like that's the type we've yeah. just become the Sky Sports people who, who do those things. But the first division is nuts, and I think we'll probably we'll probably touch on this with John Caulfield in our chat now because um, like you, it, it's it's. Uh, it definitely looks like, you know, the shortened season, you always had this uh, the pass-to-parcel sort of uh, situation that could develop, that, like, you know, when the music stops, like, who's going to be holding it? Because mm. I think with another series of games, you could probably get a different series of results. If people say the league table never lies, this one might might sort of, you know... Like three points between first and sixth, mm. which is, like, absolutely insane. And then you've got always six points off. But things are well, going let's, for JC. Well, let's, well, listen, why don't, why don't we hear from the man himself and discuss that? Because uh, it's, it's always nice to have Johnny Ward and John Caulfield on the same page, in the same discussion, together, at last. We're joined by John Caulfield now. And uh, John, I don't know, I guess there's an obvious place to start here. It's been a bit of a whirlwind. Your first three games at United, they've scored nine goals. You were a long time out of the game as well. You obviously had a lot of time to recharge. What's it like being back at the coalface uh, in such a mad season as well? Yeah, it's fantastic. Obviously, um, you know, I suppose the time I finished up with, with Cork, you know, you needed that three or four or five months to, to recharge because it was very intense. And obviously, you know, at that time we were challenging up the, up the top. And, you know, there was huge pressure because the expectations were high and we'd done so well. So, you know, it was, it was a good time to recharge. And, you know, I suppose I was looking for the right opportunity to get involved. And a few things had come up over a period of time, but they just hadn't just weren't ideal and uh, and then when Galway came up in the circumstances it was very quick the way it happened and um, you know I'm delighted great come in and response from the guys to being brilliant and um, you know I felt the team were underachieving a bit and um, we got cracking straight away so the first two weeks have been great the lads have worked really hard we brought in some extra training sessions and uh, you know but we hadn't been scoring goals there was lack of confidence within the team and um you know, I love the teams to attack and create chances and, and score. And, you know, so the Shelburne game was interesting because, you know, the last 15 minutes our fitness, you know, told. But we had done really well and we scored chances. But in the last two matches, you know, away to Atlone was always was a tricky one. But, you know, we, 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 we got four and did well. And the other night was was unusual because UCD were on a really good run. You know, but, um, you know, to go up and score three goals in UCD, keep it clean sheet and we had created we probably created another four or five very good chances so overall I'm happy with the way things have started you know Do you think you need after something as big as the Cork job and as, as long as it went on do you think you need time to just regroup yourself mentally afterwards because uh, you know maybe there would have been other jobs that came up but like was it did it serve you well that you were able to take stock and look forward to a new challenge Yeah absolutely and I suppose in the meantime um, you know I, I think look at everyone knows Cork was personal to me because obviously it's a club I've been with since you know I moved to Cork and played there for 15, 16 seasons, support the club and then managed it. So you know everyone knows my connection there and, and uh, you know so when you come out and 
pressure was so big because you know you're part of the whole thing and everyone everywhere knows you and, and it's like that so you do need that and as well as that you have to I suppose Johnny regroup and and uh, you know you look at stuff that you would have done well stuff that you may may not have done as, as well as it has been and um, it gives you that t- chance to reflect and then you know when you come out for three or four months it gives you an opportunity then to go, go back and visit other clubs and go across channel and um, you know get more ideas and you know, look at things, and that's really what I'd done. Now, I had gone back in the meantime and back on the road and, and started working for Diageo on a short term basis. So, at least, you know, my mind was active, but I was still traveling to the UK quite a bit, looking at sessions and going to different clubs. And, um, you know, that's my passion. So, um, to be honest with you, you know, when, 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 when the Galway scenario came up, it happened really in the space of 24 hours. And, um, you know, and, and uh, but I was ready for the challenge. And I suppose there's lots of similarities from where I was. You know, club not doing well on the pitch, stuff maybe off the pitch have to be sorted out. So um, there's lots of stuff, but I have a, quite a bit of experience in that side. But ultimately, it's about the team and getting the team right. And at the minute, you know, there was quite a number of players that were injured, maybe not weren't performing. And um, it's up for me then to try and bring the confidence back and assess it. And, uh, you know, I like to have exciting teams. You know, I want to win and I want us to score goals and 10. And, you know, so that's what I'm trying to do at the moment. And, you know, a lot of the players have responded really well. And, you know, so it's, it's, all, it's all packed, you know. Where, where did you go, John? You said you mentioned went to clubs in the UK. I know it's standard enough to go and just watch teams train or whatever, but what, you know, who are you going to watch and, and what are you hoping to get from it? Just trends, what's going on, like what's, what, what, what other people are doing? Yeah, yeah, I suppose look at like Millwall, I mean, in Rochdale, do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm to Sunderland. So, like, this, this context you have... You know, I, I like to go to sort of clubs that are relevant to our league, Dan. You know what I mean? It's, mm. it's, it's, it's grand when you're, you're doing your pro licence and even your A licence and going to Premier Division clubs or, you know, we had been in Eindhoven and clubs like that. Realistically, I prefer to go to clubs that are more relevant to the league we're in, you know. And, and it's like everything else. It's the way the game is changing nowadays. It's always looking for insights and you know, how people do do it differently. You know, I, I always say in management, you know, the one thing about the pro license or the A license, you know, they all teach you how to coach. But ultimately in management in Ireland, it's, you know, in big European clubs, they all have coaches and managers and all different areas. Over here, a manager is, is, is nearly an all-in-one. He needs to bring in his own team. But ultimately, it's about managing people and managing players. And, and I always feel that, you know, from the pro license, you know, they coach you how to, you know, the coach in your different systems or styles, whatever you want. But ultimately, you have to deal with people. You know, you have to get the best of people and you have to treat people properly. You know, you're dealing with people who are 18, you're dealing with other people who are 35. You know, everyone has their own problems, everyone has their own issues, you know. So, um, and that's probably the one area I always felt that in a pro license that coaches should be encouraged more, I think, to go and manage in junior football and non-league and get, get dealing with people and get dealing with guys who are dropped and fellas who take off their jersey and throw it in your face and give you abuse and you know and you learn from those scenarios and, and the non-league scene was very good to me because I learned a lot of stuff and certainly by the time I got into the League of Ireland management would call I had a lot of experience of dealing with issues and stuff and I felt it was invaluable and that's why with Galway you know from that I felt I feel that you know there's lots of things that have come into the club that I can deal with straight away because I've seen them before. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I remember Pat Fenlon speaking at one stage about maybe it might have been his time at Bowes that like management in the league here is so intense. Like you, you can be doing everything, you know, like you can be involved in a lot of aspects of the club. So does that mean that when you're at a job for five, five, you know, a long period of time that it just, it just, it, it must be very intense. Like it's, a, you know, I mean, like even at the end of it, we, I don't know, I don't know, is fatigue the right word, but was there almost a bit of a relief initially that you don't have these responsibilities hanging over you for a week or two, just to almost recharge your batteries in, in some way? Because it's full on. And really, like, like Dan, you know, people can say what, 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 what you want in terms of a job. It's not like a job that, you know, I've worked for good companies, Diageo, Bulmers, you know, companies like that, where, you know, you're off for the weekend, mm-hmm. you know, when you play your football. <laughs> to me, in football, it's 24-7. And if you don't apply that way, I don't know how you can be successful. That's, that's my own opinion. Now, there's probably other people out there saying, well, they can take a couple of days off and they can go away with the family. That wasn't the experience I had. My experience was that it was just, you know, you played on a Friday night. The following night, you might be up in Sligo. You might be up in Bray. You're watching the games. So it was just constant, you know, and, and you're right, when you come out, then you just go, and probably take a big deep breath and realize, Jesus, what's that intense? And at home, they'll tell you that. They'll say, Look, we haven't seen you for five years. You know, that's just the way it was. You know, because you come home from a match, an away game, you know, you might be home at three in the, in the morning. You're up watching the game the following, on the following morning, it's probably eight, nine. You're in to do the recovery. You might even leave on Sunday because you're Monday, you know, and with, with Europe, you're constantly on the go. So, and you're always trying to improve and, and do things. So I, I suppose from that point of view, I just feel that it was a 24-7 game. And when people said, you want your day off, I, I really don't see in football a day off. You know, like today, we see a train this evening. Yesterday was technically, we played UCD Monday night. Yesterday, three or four meetings around Galway trying to set up a few structures for next season. But it's, it's enjoyable. It's brilliant. And I love it. And you have to have a passion for it. But in terms of a job, I don't really understand where, I, I don't know where you have that time, it's just intense. That's the way the game is, I believe. And if you're, if you're trying to be successful, you have to put that energy in. And, and um, that's the way I feel. And sometimes I see, in the, like, that's why I feel with some of the coaching courses is that, you know, they don't um, tell people that really that it's, it's unlike any other type of job that you're in. It's, it's, it's really, you have to have a passion for it, but it's, it's, it's your life, really. And, you know, people on the street will come and give you their opinion. They'll tell you what to do. And you either embrace it and take it on the chin or, you know, and if you don't do that, I don't, I don't know how you, from, from my point of view, you have to be all in. One of the, um, I suppose one of the great, you mentioned the feedback and people coming up to you in the street and, and, and whatever. Like, how does it feel going to a new club? And like, it would have been expected normally your first home game, there would have been like a big crowd, you know, there would have been that response that your first game at Cork was incredible, you know, the home match. And, you know, you have these impatient Galway fans like Johnny Ward and people like this who expect this and that. Like, are you getting to meet them and encounter them? Because you don't have that match night experience to, you know, get get the, vo- the vibe of the crowd and what people are thinking. But are you still getting enough of a sense of Galway and yeah. the potential and the interest that's there? Well, absolutely, Dan, because I moved up here. You know, I'm living here. I want to be around the town of, and meeting people. And obviously, it would be fantastic if we could be more successful, could go up the table. But already, in a short period of time, you know, I've met loads and loads of people. You know, a lot of people wishing well, a lot of ex-players, you know, people, ex-sponsors in the club or sponsors in the club. So I've met lots of people. But 
you know, for me, I'm in the community and you need to be here for that. Mm. You know, because you have to show that you're serious about this. It would be fantastic if we could get crowds back. And certainly, you know, I think, you know, there would have been, uh, uh, there would have been an impact from a crowd point of view, obviously, if crowds were looking. But look, at the moment, that's the way it is. Certainly, we hope for next season that will change. But, you know, at the moment, um, I'm open about it. It's, you know, despite what Johnny Ward has been saying about me, everyone has been giving me great, 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 great well wishes and, and hope, you know, hopefully I can, I can, I can What's Johnny Ward been you know? saying here? Come on, Johnny, come on. You're, you're on we've got Johnny Ward now on the line here. Anthony, well, we need nice to sort out. Me. It was, it was <laughs> actually nice to meet him. It was actually nice to meet after the game, the Shelburne game, and we, we did speak about how mad the game was, but... We've had three games since you've come in, and it's been ridiculously attacking football, really. And I suppose your problem has been that you're, you know, I would have said at Cork that you were quite direct. Maybe you're working with the players that you had, because at the moment with Galway, it's like it's just very, it's very much used the pace that the team has, and it's, it's everyone seems to be very excited by it. So maybe I was wrong. Yeah, no, listen, you see, it, it's probably look at lads. Do you know the, the, this period in, in the Cork scenario? As I call it, it was like it was like two year periods. Like you know, we took over a club that were on its knees. We know players. You know, we we plucked a couple of guys like O'Sullivan from non-league football who we knew knew. And O'Sullivan first year got ten goals from play. He was a phenomenal player in the air. We played to his strengths. You know what I mean? Then we ended up with the Maguire Dooley Shepherd era when we won the double and won the cup in two thousand sixteen. And we were passing, moving, you know, went to Oriel Park, beat Dundalk 3 0, were the champions. Phenomenal football team for those couple of years, but we were losing players. And then we ended up in, in the 218 19 year, we brought Graham back from Scotland, Graham Cummins back from Scotland, whose strength was in the air. So we changed around. So we had different styles and we were trying to build a team around the strengths of our team. At the moment in Galway, is that, you know, I want to see my team attacking, being exciting. And even if you look at in Cork every year, if you look at the goal score. We were always a very attacking side. Of course, you want to keep clean sheets, but it was it was probably that the dark was a sexier team. That was fine. I had no issue with that. But we were the team trying to stay with them and pull it up to them. It was always tough going. But you know, we were doing we were doing our best, and the lads did brilliantly by winning two cups and qualifying for Europe every year. And and like you know, when people look back and you know, you look at other teams at the time, the Rovers and these, they were 20, 25 points off us. But it just got to that stage where you know the dark had a phenomenal team and great players but we had as well because we wouldn't have won a double otherwise but at the same time you know at the moment I want our team to be exciting I want them to play we've, we've a bit of pace in the team and I'm trying to use that so um, you know as I said I'm trying to play to the strengths of the team and I've always tried to do that and um, so you know whatever box people go into I can't you know I, I can't do anything about that what I like to do is do the best for the club I'm representing and try and get the team to win because ultimately I suppose, like, considering where Cork were when you took over and the consistency that you had, it was a phenomenal time. What happened at the like, why did it go wrong at the end? And this happened so many managers where eventually, I don't know, is it that the players kind of need a different voice or just too many players have left? But you look at where Cork are now, it's, it's a long way removed from sort of the, the coffee layer. So, what went wrong at the end? Well, I think, Johnny, the, the, the scenario is, is that you know, we went from team sixth or seventh in the table you know when we took over with five players on the books to go into in our first season to the last game of the season with the dog nearly doing the league you know and we never left that position after us bar, bar, bar winning in 2017 so I think the problem we were having that 
we were ha- having it very difficult to retain players. You know, if yeah. you look at the period I was there, 13 players went to England. You know, and it wasn't that, you know, we all mentioned Maguire, Lennon went to Hull, but if you look at the bucket, like we had Johan, Dooley, Ryan Delaney, all went to Rochdale. Mm. We just couldn't give them. And Rochdale's average crowd is 2,300. We have way better facilities than they had. We had European football, but they could double their wages by going to Rochdale. And Rochdale aren't a big club, but that's ultimately, and, 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 and we had been very good at, if you look at, you know, we'd been very good at identifying players to come to the club like Beatty, Shepherd, Dooley, you know, all these guys that were out of contract who came to our club. But we were, we were losing them. And then to find the diamonds was getting diff- more difficult. So by the end of 2019, a lot of things had changed in the club. The vice chairman um, who founded Force, Pat Shine, had died in November after 2018, mm-hmm. had a big effect in the club. The chairman stood down, the board changed. And really they wanted to go in a different direction because cost-wise, the club had gone from 214 to 219 in Europe every year. And, you know, that meant there was massive work needed to raise money and bring in more money. And they wanted to go in a different direction. I was trying to develop a new team because the team was quite young. We had McLaughlin, we had McCarthy, Dan Casey brought in, Daryl O'Connor. So we, 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 had, we had a lot of younger guys brought in. But the problem, I suppose, because the success had been there, because we hadn't been in the top two the first third of the season, well, you know, there was pressure on. I understand that the club wanted to go a different way and the chairman wanted to go a different way. And that's fine. You know, and at the end of the day, as I always said, I didn't want to be there if I wasn't wanted. You know, so the conversation was very was very short. And, um, you know, it, it was going to be more difficult difficult year. And look at it. It's, it's, and if people come in to run a club, they want to change the way the club is and they want to change the structures in the club. Uh, and they're, and they're, they're ultimately the owners. That's their entitlement. And, uh, you know, while I agree with what happened, Ultimately, I was, uh, the, the way I felt is that if you're not wanted there, you might as well move on. Yeah, just, just on that, how hard is that for a manager? Because like people lose their jobs and that's tough. But you're in a job in your hometown, effectively, where you're adopted town. So much success. And for weeks and weeks and weeks, there's kind of negative uh, coverage of Cork. And you can see that the team is kind of fading. And then you eventually lose your job. How hard is that to take for you and your family? But it's probably, it's probably very difficult for the family because they, they've seen everything I've put into it. Um, for me, it's it's probably I'm a realist, and I know in football, you know, it's a results business, and you know there there isn't what you call loyalty, you know, and at the end of the day, you just have to get the results. So that, that's the way it was, and and I suppose no different than anywhere else, but particularly in Cork, because the club is so big in terms of you're competing with Monster Rugby, ultimately you're competing with the Hurling Football Club, and Cork City were getting all the attention because we were the number one club in the, in the city, you know, because the footballers hadn't been doing well. The horrors were, were always there, their hopes, but hadn't been winning all Ireland. We were the team that was perceived as, as the big club. So we were we were number one in the local papers, Examiner, the Echo, the three radio stations. We were like the, the, the in thing. So there was so much coverage and so much coverage, which was absolutely fantastic, because that's where I wanted to get the club too. So the pressure was you. So from that point of view, you know, was it disappointed? Of course there was, you know what I mean? You know, but, you know, people may say, well, you know, if you'll give more more time, but look, at that's, that's football. I, I didn't, you know, as I said, and I've always said, if I wasn't required there and people want to make a change, and there was an element who, who wanted to make that change from the outside, 
that, that, that's the way it goes. I suppose what I was more disappointed was my backroom team, who really were incredibly loyal people and who were really phenomenal people, you know, and, you know, they were all moved very quickly, which was disappointing because they were, they were 24-7 people and you can't have success as a manager. I might get the glory for winning, but I would have done nothing without all those people. And, you know, John Carter came in, you know, Really didn't get it. Didn't get a chance. He wasn't really wanting. He was only stopgap. You know, Liam Carney was was moved on. Incredible person. Lisa Fallon. He ended up with Chelsea in, in the women's game. Phenomenal person. Kevin Tatton, the CSNC guy. He's he's manager of the Wexford Camogie team. All talented people, and they were all just dismissed and uh, very quickly. And I, I felt it was a it, it was you know I felt that you know. They had no reason because their heart was in the club and they were phenomenal people. Yes, they would have come in through me, but they all have been with the club. And I just felt that, you know, they would have kept structures and, and uh, um, within the club and they would have kept what I felt. There were so many changes. It was very difficult, you know, and um, and I and then I feel with Neil coming in, then it was always going to be difficult when there's so many changes. It's, it's, I mean, I must want to look forward rather than look back and, and not make this a big cork thing. But there's just one final thing. I mean, it's funny you mentioned the 2016, 2017 team and you can just reel them off. You know, it's always like Dooley, you know, Maguire, Shepherd. Like the one thing that did strike me about the last year is that all of a sudden you maybe, you didn't have that familiarity. Like you had possibly quite, a big squad and I wonder was that like was that you're, you're 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 searching for those diamonds as you mentioned and you couldn't you couldn't find them and then you look for more and at the end you were bringing in guys on loan from the UK just looking for something and like did, did you lose something there with that you know like you have a sort of a continuity and a, a and a squad and then you were sort of reaching around for something and, and all of a sudden you end up with a lot of players but no real you know that that not that eleven, you know, and then that yeah. brings costs, I guess, with it as well and stuff. If you have a big enough squad, well, yeah, but there was a lot of talk about costs and stuff. And most of the fellas I got from the UK were free. Mm. They, we didn't pay them anything because the club over. That was the deals I don't my connections. You know, so deals with you know with with with, with Rochdale with Portsmouth. They were connections I had. So the players didn't cost us anything over. So there's a lot of myth there. But but at the end of the day, if you look at the history. I was slow to bring fellas from across into our league because it's very difficult. Because mm. I was able to pick, like, remember, Dooley was a guy that no one wanted. Derry let him go, didn't want him. Shepherd was was similar. Okay, Beatty, all right, came to us. Okay, he'd been he he gone from Bose Bose to Sligo. But we, but we had we had picked up guys that you're saying that you know Ryan Delaney had come in. We got him from I got him from Nigel Clough and Burton. So like even Sean McGuire wasn't particularly well. No, well, Sean, well, Sean, well, Sean, well, was a classic because no one wanted. You know, because he was just let go and, and really came to me on a non-contract. Mm. You know what I mean? But to be fair, you know, people say in hindsight, you know, that I turned his career around. All I did with Johnny McGuire was give him confidence and work with him, you know, on a training ground. And play. And, and then he came up and he played and, and we worked with him and he got his confidence. And, you know, but the credit was to him because he put the work in. I only showed him the, the gate where I opened the gate for him to show him what he could do or what, what I could give him. Well, he did your own like, experience as a striker help him? Because maybe his confidence wasn't that high at the time and he is brilliant in front of the goal like you were. Well, I, 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 well he, was, he, he was a lot better striker than I was, Johnny, can assure you. But you're both kind but, of uh, in the box sort of types as well. like. Yeah, but, well, look, it, 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 you could say that would it have helped? It may have helped because I know in front of the goal, particularly with strikers, you need, you need to have that confidence and if they miss a few chances, you need to keep and persist with them. You know what I mean? Mm. But I, I would still say, like, you know, you talk about Stephen Dooley. 
You know what I mean? Again, incredible footballer, totally underrated. You know, we brought Karen Sadler in and Sadler was a really good player. But like Stephen Dooley was a magician. You look at our, our, our league in the 2017 team, you know, they won the first 21 of 22 games. Scarlett, funny enough, was the team that, that drew with us. But Dooley's, if you look at the goals McGuire got and Chef, Dooley's creation was, was phenomenal. But he was, again, a guy with low confidence, didn't believe in himself and was a phenomenal footballer. But to be fair, you know, it, it was one of those ones where it, it, it was that, I suppose, to answer your question, Dan, you are always looking to pick up guys around and, you know, the quality of, of some of the guys that we brought in wasn't at the level that we had been. But I suppose that's why I, I, I felt that, you know, with the likes of Daryl Connor, these lads, I was going to try and rebuild the team. But it was difficult because when they lose a goal machine, like we had O'Sullivan for two years, Maguire came in then and made us a different team altogether, albeit with Dooley and Shepard and, and these guys and Buckley coming from midfield. And then we'd say, you know, Graham came back, initially did well, found it difficult then, you know what I mean? And and obviously, you know, you're looking to get the guy who gets you 15 or 20 goals, which could make a challenge. So it is, it is difficult. So, um, and ultimately, I wouldn't have gone to the UK much through my previous five years, but you're always trying to see, can you find the guy? So it's, um, yeah. It's all a good learning experience, lads. You know? I suppose the criticism that's definitely fair is that you did, you did a big squad and you did seem to like you, you seem to have seven or eight right backs alone at one point. And was that one thing that you you just maybe had you spent too much on players that obviously couldn't play? Um, or that that would be something that I would have reflected on that you did an awful lot of players you can only pick eleven, I suppose. No, we did, but the problem, Dan, is that there's a no. We did like at the end of the day, we had a number of players on contract. You know what I mean? Like we had a couple of lads in from England, Smith and uh, Gill and these guys. They weren't, yes, we put them in comedy. They weren't, their weights were cut from across. Um, young Gary Boylan had been on a serious injury. His contract was, he was on a contract that his contract would start when he played. So obviously he wasn't, you know, so there, there was a lot, lot of myth in, in, in terms of, in terms of what was there. And there was, you know, there is stuff that was put out that it wasn't correct. But look, that's, you know, sometimes people need to justify what they've done you know, I'm not getting involved in that. But like, all I know is that behind the scenes, that basically what we did, what we, what the, what's the structure was, what we were trying to do, and ultimately, at the end, of, at the end of the day, you know, you move on. You know, people don't like your face; they want to, they want to be changed, and it's fine. That's the way it goes. You mentioned so, so, so to Galway, and you mentioned like yesterday, you're having meetings about next season, and like. So what, what have you inherited there? I mean, I, I suppose you probably have an idea of Galway from outside, from going there over the years. You know, the club that has been more time in the second division than the top division in recent times. What have you found on the ground compared to maybe what your expectation is? And, and what, what are those structures and, and things that you actually need to do with next season? Well, well, first of all, then the team is underachieved. You know, you come into a club and there's, you know, 25 guys training. And, and, and they haven't won a match. So ultimately you can, you know, listen and, you know, people can blame other people or they can say, you know, maybe Alan didn't do this. At the end of the day, the team didn't win a match out of eight games, you know, so you don't need to be a genius to see they didn't win a match before COVID or since COVID, okay? So you have to look at the, the squad and, 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 and then look at the lads and say, well, why is that happening here? You know, fitness levels, have guys lost form, guys lost confidence. And um, so you have to go in and put, put, your, put your stamp on it. And that's just so that was the immediate thing on the pitch and increase the training sessions as well. You know what I mean? So, which I've, which I've done. And 
off the pitch then is trying to put structures in, you know, that low, low, you know, there's lots of stuff in the medical side, you know, that, that need to need to tidy up. There's lots of stuff regarding um injured players. Um, you know, lots of stuff with regarding answers in the club, who who decides this, who decides that. So there's lots of there's things like that that I've been, I've been working on trying to make sure to streamline things that everyone is accountable. And even with my own management team, you know, there's a lot of talk that I changed the whole management structure. Why would I? If there's people within the management team who are loyal to Galway United and are passionate about the, the club, why would you do that once they're, once they're good people? So for me, it was about leaving everything in, in situ until the end of the season and see over the next 10 weeks how we get on. Um, but certainly, you know, if you're asking me with a view to next season, do I expect things to be much different and much improved? I certainly do. And that's that's why I'm I, I'm doing all this work in the background as well, just to make sure that from next season where, you know, everything is in place and that there's no excuses because, you know, I believe that, you know, you take out all the ambiguity and then you keep things so everyone knows their role and their jobs and, you know, then you have a chance. What? What's achievable this season? It's only the first division table. It's incredible, really. It's almost like if people watch the Tour de France or something, it's like a peloton, but it's at the front. You know, they're, they're all at the front and they're sort of... And all of a sudden, if you can get a bit of momentum going, the teams are dropping points. So if you can get a run together, like you're not, you're not a million miles off that playoff picture at all, really, are you? Well, I suppose the most important thing, Dan, was that I had to go into a club and see who we win a match. And even to see the lads after Friday night's match and at low and in the dressing room afterwards it was like a relief for them. You know, they were all smiling. And then we go to UCD a different game and after the game you could see them come off the pitch mm. and they're all, you know, and it's trying to create that winning mentality because when you do get beaten every week, it's the same as winning. You start winning every week. You get momentum. You know, and even the other night keeping the clean sheet and, you know, we were defending at times the period in the first half, just on half time, UCD got four corners in a row in the last two minutes of half and they were really, really difficult balls to put in, the brilliant balls to put in. And we defended them brilliantly. And, and it's a bit like, you know, sometimes people can hide and shy away and say if it wasn't my man, if it was their man. But you have to stand up and be counted. And ultimately, um, you know, I see the nucleus of a very good team. Okay. Um, there's an opportunity for everyone to, to put their stake in for next season. Um, but at the same time, you know, let's be honest. Does the team need a few players? Of course it does, and um, to be better. And um, but it's my job over the next eight weeks to get the best out of the lads. So you know we we've had just two good results, and we went to Rovers B on, on Friday night again, a very tricky game. But after two wins, you hope the lads will have that confidence to go and play again and and keep that momentum going. But See where it takes you. You're being suitably diplomatic there. So to see where it takes you. But it's, it's a wide open league, though. I mean, that's the thing. Even take all the way out of it, it's actually it's sort of it's going to be exciting either way, whatever happens. It's, and I don't know how you've established a hierarchy, or is it hard to figure out, you know, the stronger teams, or is it is it really as reflective of the, of the league table position that it's, it's that well, open? Well, I think, I think it's the type of league, Dan. Anyone can beat anyone. Like, I suppose a bit more different, like in the Premier Division, you know. You know, when Dundalk and Cork were there, we're winning most of the games, or Rovers now at the moment. And you know, in the first division, I actually think a lot of teams are quite equal. You know, I think on their day, and I think what's reflecting that now is that, you know, three weeks ago, Kevin Healy looked they were going to run away with it. They're, they're dragged back in. Drod are a brilliant team. I saw Cork beating um, Longford a couple of weeks ago. Longford had the previous week had nearly knocked City out of the cup. Bray 
was a nil all game up here. And so and then you're looking at, you know, Cove have come and almost their players. Rovers B have caused a few problems, Wexford have caused a few problems. So at the same time, it's a bit like I see anyone could beat anyone. If we're halfway through the season and we're in the position we were in, I'd say yes, with eight games to go, it's it's, it's trickier because there, there's still a, a, a good gap there. But you know, the most important thing is is that we put two wins under our belt. And I want to get more wins before the end of the season. I suppose as well. You, you've gone from like one club city to another one club city, but I, that's kind of where the comparisons end. Um, Cork's obviously a bigger city than Galway, but just speaking from somebody who's followed the club, I think my first game was in 1996. Never seen them win anything, literally nothing. They won the, the cup in 91. Your buddy Johnny Glenn getting the goal. That's all Galway United have ever won. Produced great players from the West, but you know, dreams of going to Europe, whereas Longford Town, Sligo Rovers, and these small provincial towns, not to mind Dundalk. Um, where do you see the potential of the club? Because I know Galway, you mentioned Cork, Galway a lot of competition in terms of other sports, Connacht rugby, footballers and hurlers, very strong. Do, does that, is that something that you're kind of conscious of, that there, there, is, a, there is a big kind of, um, the ceiling is quite high? Yeah, well, I think, Johnny, you're right in saying that, but competition in, in, in Cork is, is as intense as in, in Galway. Well, what the biggest problem Galway have had is there's lots of Galway that don't play for Galway. Mm. and have left over the last number of years because the club hasn't been doing well so that's something straight away you have to rectify you know and you have to, you have to see that you know this guy's walking out of, out of this city at 19 and 20 and they're going elsewhere mm. you know so you know and, and in the greater hinterland you know, we have players playing with other clubs that potentially really should be playing with a successful goal United but because of where we are they're not here and that's, and that's something that I have to try and rectify so from, from, from that point of view um, I, 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 you know, as I said to you, I want to base what I call a greater goal team. Okay, like what obviously you might bring in some outside players, but ultimately that's what I want to create here. And I see great potential. And uh, but it's my job to convince guys not to leave Galway, to stay here or come back. And um, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to be working very hard on. But obviously, if I can show that we're going to be successful or you know, the pathway looks like we're going to be successful, but then you have a chance of enticing guys back. I accept that, you know, sometimes money comes into it. But at the end of the day, you know, as I, as I always say, if a fellow wants to leave you for 50 quid and go elsewhere, that's his choice. All you can do is show what you're trying to do, how the training is going to be done, how the structure is going to be done. And that's, at the moment, like, so from that point of view, I'm trying to put structures in place that for next season, you know, we'll be training properly. And what I mean by that, we'll be training all the time. You know, we we're the proper recovery, but we do double sessions, and you know, and giving the fellas the opportunity that look, this is where we're at. I believe we can we can go and be successful. Here's the pathway that I see. If you want to be part of that, well, good. Oh, it may not work, Johnny, but it won't be from the lack of hard work and trying. But at the same time, because I believe if you work hard, you put the structure in place, that they give a chance. So um, that's that's really where it's at. So I would certainly hope that you know, if I was talking to you this time next year. That you'd see. I hope we're still talking uh, this time next year. No, yeah, we, we we hope we are. I'm sure we will be. But I just hope that sort of we have a, a team that you'd be saying that's a, a really passionate Galway United team. The score goals are exciting, but ultimately the team, you know, whether it's 20, 22 players, that the bulk of them are from the greater greater Galway area. Mm. That's 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 what I'm trying to achieve. You know, it's not so much make Galway great again, just make Galway great. What you don't see, like, and, and, and I always say this, and I don't want to say, like, people make a big thing about, about, about 
age and you know it doesn't matter the most important thing is to work hard you have to, you have to adapt your game you have to change your styles you have to, you have to adapt to what you have uh, and, uh, and sometimes at the moment people think oh you get a pro license or you get an A license there's your badge go you're a great coach no it's grand moving, moving dots around on the board when you get on the trainer pitch and or, or you're playing in a match and there's two defenders standing in front of where you thought the ball was going to be you have to know how to get around it and you have to adapt it properly and play the different systems but like I suppose you know everything is about adapting and learning but you know the way the way the way it is is that when I was growing up and when I started my career coming up to go in the late 80s all through the 90s and I know you started following going in 96 but up to the Wonder League Cup in 97 Galway were always 95% Galway United Galway United people yeah. Players from the air, from the area, hard team, really good players, and if you like, for for a long number of years since players have left, haven't really played with the club, and they have been, they've had little spells, you know, got to a league cup final, but had had little spells, but really have done nothing for a long, long time, and and, and I just feel that that opportunity, if if if, if I can, if I can. Uh, put everything in place. I just feel that opportunity could be there that you could turn the club around. That's what I'm here for. Guys. Look, at the end of the day, if I'm talking to you next year and we're halfway down the table, I probably won't be here. Let's, let's yeah. be honest with you. You know what I mean? I have to wait on I understand that. Halfway down so, the Premier yeah. Division table. Well, look, <laughs> if you were there, you, 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 you take that. You know, but certainly we're halfway down the first division table. You know, I understand what yeah. it is. So, so, you know, so I've no, I've no illusion. But I believe in in, in what I'm doing I believe in hard work and I believe in having good people around and that's, that's what we're working mm. well, well listen John it's been great to have you on uh, I have to, on behalf of our listeners we're, we're all looking forward to Johnny Ward becoming your number one fan I did have one last list. question for him Dan it's a very brief one. Oh, you have one last question okay yeah. Stephen Kenny phone number Stephen, Ke- Stephen Kenny John and just briefly to start how challenging is it for him now to go into Slovakia do you know what Johnny the biggest problem nowadays is that right from the the, the start you're under so much pressure okay and before a ball was even kicked you know there's lots of people criticising Stephen lots of people you know were, were supporting Nick ultimately at the end of the day lads let, 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 let's call a spade a spade watching the international team for the last 10 years we have never been brilliant we have never scored loads of goals we've never been really a real attacking team we've been dogged played off set pieces and that, that's where, we, where we've been at. You, you cannot go in and Stephen and implement a system within a week, couple of weeks. You just can't do that. Unfortunately, modern football, people want results straight away. And, you know, he obviously, in the last two games, you can see he was bringing the guys he had from the 21 with him because they knew what he was about. But the step up to senior football, particularly for Adam Ead and these guys who aren't regulars at the club, is very difficult. So, if you're asking me, do I think Stephen can do a job and do a job very well with Ireland? Absolutely, I do. The problem is in modern football, it's all about time. And, you know, we have the big game against Slovakia. And if we don't qualify, well, then he's going to be under enormous pressure because there's a, there's a brigade out there that want them out and never really want them. And that's just the way, and that's how you handle that. So it is difficult, but at the same time, the way I feel about it is that when people talk about managers that were there previously or Nick and whatever, oh, they will, but like we came third in the group. We were no world piece. It wasn't that, you know, we, we were third in the group that we were always going to be third in. You know, mm-hmm. we're in the playoffs. 
you know, so, you know, Stephen deserves his opportunity. I believe he'll do well. I think he's done very well with the 21s. But um, for me, it's just hoping that he get that time to do that because it's, it's, it's um, you know, as I said, there's been, there is a certain element out there that they never really want them and they're quite vocal. And that's, that, that, that's difficult to, that's difficult in, you know, I think the big thing nowadays, and you can see this, lads, is that in, 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 in you know, in, in, in the media, it's that, you know, everyone wants to get an angle. You know, everyone wants to have the good stories and patience has gone out of the game. You know, that's, that's football manager. We all know that now. So we look forward to Johnny Ward being patient with you. Absolutely patient. <laughs> we win 3-0 every week. Thanks for visiting, John. Very good. Good to see you, lads. Thanks, John. See you soon. Don't forget to visit lotoland.ie forward slash sportsbook where you'll find all the odds and weekly special bets for the SSE or Chastity Premier Division. This week with the return of the Premier League, Lotoland is offering two price boosters. The first of which is a combo bet of Premier League and the LOI. Back Bowes, Rovers, Liverpool and Spurs from 92 to sixes. And you can back Filippo Giovagnoli's Dundalk to win and Shells not to score boosted from 5-4-7-4. That is an attractive bet if you believe in the Italian project. Visit lotoland.ie forward slash sportsbook. In JC we trust Dan. You know, nine goals in three games. Uh, I take it all back. And in fairness oh. to him, we're actually playing. We're playing. I watched this. I watched the UCD Johnny game. Ward. Johnny very, Ward. very poor stream. But like, Johnny it was, Ward. It was we've, exciting we've football. Seen, a lot of us have seen the photograph. We've seen the photograph of you, you with JC like oh, together. Well it's almost it's almost like uh, I don't know I don't know what it's like. It's 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 like Boris and the DUP together or something. It's like you know, they might poor poor the, comparison. The, poor analogy, but it, like you know, in the past, like it's, is it just a marriage of convenience? Like, do you actually really get on that well, or is it just because you have a common goal, and as a result, you're the going latter. to get on. You're going to get on. See, the, this Even is the point. I, I met, I met, I met, I met um, John Caulfield in a place that honours another legend, Obama Plaza. And this was before that game. He mentioned where Galway ended that ridiculous run, like twenty-one games or something. They were unbeaten, or twenty at that. Twenty, twenty games they'd won in a row at that time, and they were like, they weren't a million to one to just win every game that season. And I met him in, in the Obama Plaza, and I uh, just said, "Would you mind posing for a photo to promote the game on for the program on Friday?" Blah blah blah. He was absolutely brilliant. He, I, like he bought me over straight away and uh, he's, he has an infectious love for the game and th- that hasn't changed but one thing I will say is that um, as much as I didn't really enjoy watching Cork and did unravel at the end and he made mistakes no doubt there is probably you know an argument that he, he does work with the players he has and at the moment he's working with Galway United and they're actually playing very good very attacking football What ask any UCD for, it's actually a good crowd in Belfield on Monday night for, for a Monday in Belfield even though there was nobody there it actually had this feeling that it was a huge game in Belfield. Sorry, Pat Dolan was there, and just to, be, um, just to be clear, there was a there was a good crowd at the game on Monday, even though there was no one there. Well, you know, you know, it was a good crowd for Belfield on a Monday night. You know the way you get like a few passes, and you you will get a few smatter, and the subs are there and all that. So it wasn't that bad. But Galway were brilliant, right. and uh, it's just if if we win all our games, I think we'll win the league. And I don't put were that you, past us at the moment. We you, just have eight games you, ago. Were you having a chat with Pat? The great Pat. Oh, as I said, sorry, I didn't make the game. Uh, I asked oh. for I asked for a pass from Galway, and they they had they'd all use them. So I watched a dodgy stream of it, which seemed to go black every time we had an attack or scored. But exciting times, and the the run that Galway have now is is actually very favourable. Shamrock Rovers, uh, hopefully Zeffy's on the bench. Uh, that's at the weekend. But then they have a good run of games, and like Drogheda lost to Cove. 
but then battered Cabantini, who've now lost three kind of quickly. Longford don't seem that great. UCD were battered by us, despite the fact they're six points ahead of us. Anything could happen then. It could. It could. I mean, it's, it's definitely a wide-open race, I guess, you know? So we'll, we'll um, see, how it, see how it proceeds. But uh, let's hear from Ronan Finn, perhaps. Um, it may well be that the, 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 the Premier Division title race is, is, is more clear-cut, although I suspect uh, a player of his experience will not speak in those terms. So, uh, yeah, let's hear from Ronan. Ronan Finn, how are you getting on? Not too bad, Johnny. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm good. Um, it, it must be in terms of your career, this must be right up there with the most exciting kind of time in it. You've had a long career, but uh, I don't know. How do you sum up after beating Bowes on Saturday? Uh, you're obviously on the cusp of a big game in Europe, and you're top of the table. Yeah, I suppose. Listen, at the moment things are going well, but. We're not getting too far ahead of ourselves. You know what football's like. It can unravel so fast. And um, listen, we're managing games quite well. We've, um, we've a good return from points. Um, so listen, no, things are going well. We're training hard. But like genuinely, like nobody's getting carried away. No one's you know, thinking too far ahead. You say uh, all the right is, things. Well, the group is very strong. Trust me, mm. it is very, very strong. But we've never, we haven't won a league. So I think it's disrespectful to be thinking anyways um, beyond the next game and for us genuinely Cork uh, on Saturday is such a huge game for the football club because we just got to keep got to keep momentum momentum in football is very important well th- this is the strange thing how well have Rovers actually played this season in terms of your potential because as you say you're managing games and you're winning games but you're kind of scraping through games to an extent and Obviously, you've maybe slightly kind of um, ridden your luck in the odd game here or there, but is the more in this Rovers team, I suppose, put it a nicer way? Um, I thought, like, you know, say they take the nil-nil with Pat, for example, I thought the first half was as good as we probably played in mm. terms of, but the game was nil-nil at halftime. Um, but we played some really, really nice stuff. Should have been going in, maybe two, two up, but we weren't. Um, teams are definitely, like, dropping off us, you know, trying to, um, you know, could see we're not getting you know many many chances maybe in the last couple of games because teams are defending so well and so deep. So it's up to us as a as a football team to um to to get around that to you know to respect other teams are going to do that. And for us to now find another way to score, teams aren't really going toe to toe with us as of late. Um, but listen, that's part of football, and you've got to find another way to score. Is that frustrating, or sorry, Dan? Is that frustrating that essentially, I don't know, half the time, maybe two thirds of the time, you are playing a team that's effectively parking the bus? No, because I think it's a respect. To be honest, like we've mm. got to this stage on the back of playing some really, really good stuff, and I think you kind of, as a, as a group, we looked at it and said, listen, teams weren't doing this to us like twelve months ago, but they are now, and they're doing it for a reason. And the reason is we've been playing some really nice stuff and. Um, you know, carving out a lot of chances. So now it's come to a stage where teams have changed their game to play against us, and now it's up to us to find another way. So you take it, you know, as a player, you can't get frustrated because part of the game is defending, and you got to respect that the other team uh, may come to tally and be happy to take um, a nil-nil, for example. But for us as a group, we've got to be better, and we've got to work on that. We have been working on it because over the last couple of games, it showed that teams may just drop off and. For us as a group, we've got to uh, be able to uh, come beyond that. Ronan, like, I, I was listening to your manager speak after the game at the weekend and 
like you're one of the players in that dressing room that has won a league before. You know what it takes. And as you said, like you've got a reputation as a really good football inside. But is there also that satisfaction sometimes and winning that game where you just have to grind it a bit? You know, that you know, you know coming off the pitch, you know, on, on Saturday. Yeah, like we've worked for this as a group and it may not have been in the way that your team has met its reputation, but you know as players that was that was big. That was a hard fall and win the weekend. Like it was a really, really tough game. I felt it coming off the pitch that you earned your three points on the back of both of our are good sides. They're there on merit and you know, we one hundred percent respected them. You know, we know they're a good side, we know they're dangerous. Um we, you know, over maybe we've learned from the, the derbies in the last maybe three years, um, four years that they're different games and I know it might sound silly but unless you're playing them and playing a lot of them they are different games to what um, just another League of Ireland game is about um, and maybe 18 months ago we were trying to maybe play out in the back and being a bit naive inviting a high press and getting getting done mm-hmm. derbies are about winning and at this stage of the season it was a huge three points up for grabs and we probably didn't play as much as we played and say the, the European game the week before, you know, where it was a lot of playing out from the back, patient build-up against Bohemians. You know, we, we were happy to go direct. We were happy to go to Aaron. We were happy to play off second balls and be up in the game. It was like, I remember playing under Michael O'Neill and that was a really, you know, it's a, a tactic to an extent that you play higher up the pitch, you get the ball forward and you pick up second balls and you manage the game in the final third. I think when we managed the game in the final third, we actually still played some nice football, especially in the first half. We got our goal Second half, we definitely maybe sit back, but we I would say we rolled our luck. They had a couple of chances. They had a couple of shouts for penalties. But other than that, I don't think Alan really had a massive save to make in the game. And ultimately, we won the game 1-0. Like, yeah, even that early goal. I mean, you've had some games recently where not getting that has almost built pressure on you within the game. You know, the, 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 that must have been a discussion before, was it? Just to really start strongly... I, it's funny you mentioned that about the high press at the time. Like I'm thinking to the, I assume are you thinking of that game in Tala where Lee Grace gets sent off and you had like you you invited pressure maybe at the start of that game by playing out your own half and you just mixed it up a bit basically here. But that's be, it. And, and may, maybe the game in, in daily mounts where we give away two penalties in the first 15 minutes. Mm. Listen, whether it's whether it's us as a group learning that the derby is just essentially a slightly different game and you have to manage the game. I think it comes with experience from the group that, you know, we're managing the games better. Um, the last four derbies, we've won four of them, on, like probably all by small margins. But listen, we've come out on top and that's ultimately the difference. Derbies aren't memorable games. They're never um, football and classics. They're never two teams sitting off each other, letting each other have the ball. It's about two teams really wanting three points regardless of how they get get it. And for us that was you know, that was evident last last weekend. We we managed the game, we um and ultimately we came out on top. Just in terms of this year's title race, right? It's obviously very different to any other one because you know no, you know normally you'd be coming off the pitch on Friday with the or Saturday, sorry, like you know the cheers of the crowd and you know you there'd be a different type of energy maybe around it. Like, are, are you still aware, though, of the sense of pressure that's building? Not pressure, but, you know, anticipation that's building amongst fans? Or, in a strange way, are you insulated from it a bit because you're not 
like you're not coming off the pitch every week. You're not hearing the the chance of things aren't going well or whatever. Like like how are you finding it this closed doors experience? Because it's still big. It's still a medal. It's still everything. But it must be a different type of experience in some strange way. Uh, or yeah, not? Or not? <laughs> of course it is. Um, listen, we all we all want fans at games. We all love you know you know the South Stand now. The, you know the energy they bring us. And the fan, like, I mean, one of the last games I remember before lockdown was the Dundalk game. And it was just both an unbelievable occasion in terms of um, numbers of crowd, numbers of uh, attendees. But also the game itself was a very technical high-level football match. And it was a great spectacle for League of Ireland. And on the flip side of that, like you said, there's still everything on the line. Nothing changes. There's still a medal. There's still, um, you know... European like Champions League football at the end of potentially if you are whoever wins the league that's you know that's all remains the same so listen we all want fans there but you can't get um you need to get over that because you know if you're using that as an excuse everyone else can use that as an excuse nothing changes for us you just got to manage it and I think we've coped quite well we've been managing games and I think the Derby again was another example where we just, you know, we saw it out. Listen, whether fans were there or not, whether they would have helped us, they could have got frustrated the way we were playing, mm. to be honest. That we weren't pushing on, we weren't looking for the second goal. Um, as players, we were probably quite content to go, okay, well, wouldn't it up, come break us down? Maybe if fans were there in the background, they maybe not be as, uh, as acceptable as that, and they'd have been pushing us forward, and who knows? Listen, it could have been a different game, but... In the context, no fans, you have to deal with it the way you deal with it. This sounds like slightly stalkerish, but I was, I did take notice of you coming off the pitch uh, on Saturday, and you were like, I think it really gave you massive satisfaction, you personally, that you'd just got over the line, and also that you'd gotten over another close game against Bowes. You've turned it around against Bowes, and I'm contrasting this to you when you joined Rovers, and it wasn't going so well, and you left Dundalk. Was there ever any regret that you'd done what you did when things weren't going so well early on and Dundalk were battering you in games, beat you 5-2 and Tala and Ronan Finn like, looks like an idiot because he's left Dundalk for this? I got, yeah, no, listen, I got huge satisfaction winning that game last week. Um, on the back of it was, you know, a top-of-the-table clash between two Dublin clubs. Um, and it was a big game. You can't get away from the fact that, um, listen, we are coming to the business end of the season and it was a big game, so... I made no bones about that. It was a big game. Huge three points for us. Now we've left that behind and we're preparing for for um for Cork. Uh, on a, the other personal level, not at all. I mean, never once have I um, regretted that decision purely on the basis that I knew leaving that wasn't going something that was going to happen overnight. Because listen, I knew the group in the dog was very very strong. But I also knew from speaking to uh, the Gaffer, to McPhail, to Glenn, that the group, it wasn't going to happen overnight. It was a project that was in the pipeline that they would, listen, nothing like the club that where it was to where I, to when I joined to where it is now is like, it's, it's a really different dressing room. The manager has signed unbelievably well, but listen, it takes time. And nothing, the dog were so strong. You got to respect that at that time. And they still are a very, very strong group. So, I mean, for, for me leaving, it was never going to be instantaneously. I knew, you know, you're going to have to be wait. But listen, I'm still waiting. For, for, listen, no one's getting ahead of ourselves. We're not we're far from there yet. Still a long way to go. Winning the Cup last year was a real plus, a real bonus for the group. You know, it definitely gave us that confidence. to gives you that taste also of, um, of silverware, of, of winning. 
and that that spreads into the group and all of a sudden you're bouncing back into pre-season kind of with that hunger to go again and like that's in the group you know because uh, if it wasn't in the group the manager like he's he's so astute he'd pull it up on it straight away like thinking you're better than you are thinking you're ahead of yourself there's none of that in the group genuinely because we're not because none of us have like as a group we haven't won the league you know yeah. we've won the cup but we can't suddenly think smelling ourselves because uh, still a long way to go and you end up looking a fool at the end of it well, yeah, we definitely don't want you smelling yourselves. But um, what what's been that change though? Because you went, you've gone, you've so many games against Bowes where you've shot yourself in the foot, and you mentioned the penalties, red cards, maybe something's going against you. I think it was like seven games out of eight they won. Now you've gone to beating Bowes regularly. You beat Dundalk on penalties. You got you, you've gone behind in games a lot and won. Um, what's changed? Because there just seems to be a, a maturity that doesn't actually go with the fact that you haven't won the league. I suppose if you look at the group, the age of the you know the players in the group, I think everybody's of a good age. You know, there's a obviously listen. The, we've got the the kind of first division sides. That's a great model for bringing young lads through. But the first, the first team, the you know the squad that we have is of a good age. They're definitely of good experience, and um, definitely I think winning the cup last year gives players that confidence. Maybe beyond last year before that players hadn't got it maybe a senior medal but now all of a sudden you have an FBI Cup and you you know you want more of it which also um, you've earned that you know I think we, we worked hard that day the cup point I thought we'd the better side and definitely I think um, coming up against the dock on that day beating them you know ultimately it was on penalties but I thought we had a better team and it definitely gave us that confidence then we, we skipped into pre-season we started the season really well but listen I can't get ahead. I can't say too much because there's still a long, long way to go. Yeah, last season obviously you had a you had a big lead, but this season, um, in terms of you know the the way the way the season has gone, you've drawn while well, you've drawn two games. What can go wrong? Because everyone's expecting. You know, after the game on Saturday, people are just saying, "Well, they're five points ahead. Dundalk are further back." Like there just doesn't seem to be that complacency in the team, and you've massive strength and depth as well. Yeah, I think from the outsiders looking in, it's the easy assessment maybe to say, okay, you know, we're five points clear, you know, they should just go on and win the league. I don't think it's never that easy because as the group, yes, we are a strong group, but I don't think we're that strong that we could not show up to it up to every game. Um, you know, you don't show up to a game in this league and you think you're better than you are, you won't get three points. So, for example, take Cork this weekend, like we'll do genuinely the exact same homework for this game as we do for the say the Milan game on Thursday you know whatever it is six days later to be fair it's come from management the right way down that we just don't as a group you if you start thinking you're better than you are you know you that's where you start falling and it hasn't happened yet this season and you know the group is strong you know we've been we've been developing over the last few years to get to this stage so you know, it can all be undone very quickly. But listen, the main thing is that you, you, you treat it as such an old cliche, but it's the next game. You look at the next game, the next game. Yeah, no, I mean, I know, you can sense that that's the mode. And I suppose the games are spaced out a bit more as well this year. You know, we don't have that sort of three games a week mode, so you can probably concentrate. But listen, and I, and I know that this year mode, it's funny, I see... Um, I see Rovers there are still obviously advertising a, a big programme for the Milan game and there's a big push. But I guess as players, like you have a big game coming up normally, you have people on to you about tickets and stuff like that. You actually don't have that. Like, you know, this yeah, time that that, it's not in your head in the way that it might have been in, in normal circumstances. 
Yeah, because I suppose a a huge game on the horizon. Listen, you can't get away from the fact that the Milan game is a huge game. Genuinely, I don't want to sound boring, but the, the group hasn't it hasn't been spoken about. But you're right, yeah. you won't have people ringing you saying, listen, can you get me a ticket? Uh, you won't have family members going wrong, can you get us uh, a mascot? That, that <laughs> Whatever, yeah. So that's things like that actually is taken away. Whether it's a good thing, whether it's a bad thing, I suppose that's that's football. And you come up to a cup final, the FBI cup final last year, you have your phone, listen, can you get me a ticket? It's a 40 but at 50,000, see, I'd get your own ticket. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, Ron, calm down. <laughs> no, but that's, but that's, that's guys like your friend, friend of mine who wouldn't traditionally come on a Friday, but listen, that's, suppose that's football. They'd all have showed up next week against Milan. They'll all show up for the cup final, but, uh, but you're right, that, that element is taken away and it will be, listen, when that game comes, it will be uh, played in European games where there is massive crowds and you really do feel that energy. energy. But now, this next Thursday, when it comes around, will be slightly different. And in, in terms of you, so you go ahead, Dan, sorry. No, I was going to say, Ronan, just in terms of your own, you might have been asking the same question, Johnny. Mm. Uh, Ronan, in terms of your own uh, development and your second spell at Rovers, like you would have come to the club as a midfielder, you know, and it would have been very much viewed as a midfielder. And now you've You've evolved in this this sort of right wing back role. Like, how do you how have you found that sort of transition? I mean, I think was it was it the first one of the first times you might have played it would have been against Michael Duffy for Dundalk, and people thought it was something for a particular game. But actually, it's become a bit more of a of a regular thing now. Like, how do you actually enjoy the the, the football challenge of it? Yeah, listen. Obviously, traditionally, I've always been a midfielder. I still class myself as a midfielder, and. Um, but I suppose the way my body is, it would allow me to play wing back. Um, but it also then helps us maybe get more players into the team. I think if you look at Jack and Borky, and um, technically probably it'd be fair to say the two best footballers in Ireland. So having them in the team in their preferred position and me playing right wing back, it's something that, listen, as a... You know, as playing for the club, you've got to do because to be playing in the team, that's the be all and end all. You want to be in the side. So, I mean, traditionally, yeah, I would have always played midfield regardless um, of age or whatever. But I can, because my body allows me to play wing back, the manager has spoken to me on it. Um, and he feels that I could still, you know, be very beneficial to the team from that role. And then, listen, when the time comes, if it comes that I step back into the middle, that's no problem for at the moment. I'm enjoying wing back, you know, it's you do get a lot of ball, you you play forward and you see the pitch in front of you. It's definitely a different aspect, but something that um I've grown to enjoy and you know, people like if it's Joey or Lee behind, you know, they talk me through the game and they definitely give me a hand because sometimes, you know, you could go rogue or go, you know, wandering, but at that position you need to uh, you need to be careful. I'm just conscious, like I know it's uh Rovers are like a, a full time club, but I know you're what, you're 33 in December. I know you've always had an eye on sort of life after football, I guess, and stuff. And you're still doing your bit with go-kart, right? You're still, as much as it's a full-time thing, you're, uh, you're still keeping your, your eye on the, other, on the other side of things, yeah? Yeah, it's something that, I suppose, when I was 25, I kind of, um, mad now that I'm saying that now, but when I was 25, 26, I was, when I signed for the dark part of the deal was that, I was going up to Dundalk on the pretense that I'd get work. 
Mm. And listen, it just didn't materialize the year that was um, that happened. And, um, you know, the, I think it was, that was the Europa League and how, how successful it was. No, it wasn't the year before that. But it was still a very, you know, I, I maybe I took it that year and I just said, right, I'll play, I'll play full time for another year. And on the back of, um, we then had a crazy year the next year in terms of how busy it was. But then when I kind of, I think it was 28 then and I spoke to, um, to, to Steve McFair and I said, listen, you know, I, this is something that I really need to think about because all of a sudden, you know, you're 28, you're 29, you're 30, you're 31. And, you know, the end is as much as you don't want to admit it. Like for other players, you know, everybody's body is different, but you, it's, you've got to be honest, it's not a million miles off. And all of a sudden, um, I'd done my degree in UCD, but that was when I was 20. So how many graduates mm. have come through UCD between now and then? You know, So all of a sudden, you could be going into a market of when you're 34, 35, and yeah, you've had a great career and you've, you've had great experiences, but you're going into a business world with no experience. You're going in competing against graduates who are, fresh out of college you're going in with people who are maybe of the same age but have a massive um, experience behind them and dealing with whatever industry they were in so it was just something for me that was that was important but also it was something that I didn't want jeopardizing me football so in fairness uh, Jonathan uh, the club chairman I you know I had a great relationship with Jonathan before I am um, yeah before I went to Dundalk I had a brilliant relationship with Jonathan and all and you know the, the the lads and behind the scenes at the club. So um, when I was coming back, I spoke to Jonathan and Jonathan, there was a role within Go-Car, so Go-Car is owned by Europecar and Jonathan's general manager. And it was, um, you know, I haven't looked back, to be honest, it's still, I'm still in the role now, thankfully, and uh, I'm enjoying it. It's nothing that, it doesn't take away me football. Obviously with Jonathan, you know, being my boss, he, he, he gives me that bit of, bit of leeway. But on the flip side that, I can't, without, I can't take the piss because you do have a role here. You've got a uh, responsibility within the job that, and um, you need to be, you need to, whatever it is, but a different, different, um, different weeks, being different challenges, but you have to do your job as well. So it's a bit of give and take. Um, mm. And listen, I haven't, Jonathan's been quite happy with me progress within the company. And I'd like to think he's been happy enough with the football as well. So uh, no, it's going well. I enjoy it. It's great. It's a really, it's a good role for me. But what are you actually doing? And like, how do you manage it then? Is it just sort of, because obviously, I suppose, again, just you know, normally you're talking Friday, Monday, Friday, and, and the, the fixture list has been a bit different. This year has been a bit different. So like, do you sort of ma- manage your hours accordingly, I suppose, around that? Yeah, like I suppose on the back of a lot of people are working from home anyway. Mm. So within the company, you know, I'm in the office now, but listen, it's quiet because a lot of people are still working from home. So now like generally, listen, Monday's always a difficult day to get into the office because it's a double session. Tuesday, you would be in the office in the afternoon. Wednesday, you'd be off. So you'd be in the office all day. Thursday, you'd be in training in the morning, in the office in the afternoon. Friday, you would always take off because of a game. So between them, they, between them hours, you know, I'd always pretty much get, get what needs to be done, done. So I'd be out on the road a lot as well. I'd be dealing with, uh, so go cars, looking for, say, new locations. That would be my area. I would be out speaking to different hotels, different to different shopping centers. We try to push it from a commercial end, speaking to um, management companies um, in a private housing estate, saying, listen, go car will here, provide you mm. a, a private vehicle for your residence, whether it's- By the way, we're playing Milan next week as well. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's, 
So no, that's it. You know what I mean? And the football, to be fair, would break down a few barriers. And all mm. of a sudden, if, if you happen to meet somebody who likes football and, you know, um, they may follow Rovers, they may follow the League of Ireland. So all of a sudden you have that common ground. And it does, it's a nice end because sometimes you're going in cold, but all of a sudden if they, you know, if you're if they're a League of Ireland fan and you can have that rapport, it um, it does make things a little bit easier. But to be fair to the, you know, to the team here, they do give me a bit of leeway because, you know, it's not always that easy whether it before it was two games in a week or European football, you're, you're missing week, you're missing time here and there. You'd always have that bit of cover. But listen, at the end of the day, you do have a, a role as well that you can't take the piss. So it's a bit of give and take. Yeah, because I guess I'm just thinking like your, your, your UCD class as such or UCD team. I mean, you do see it now. Like there's a lot of, Ex League of Ireland players that are actually doing very well in the in the business world or doing bits and bobs and different things or you can see the likes of Dave O'Connor at Shells in a different in a very different mm. role and stuff. Like, are you? I mean, I like it is a younger league now. So, are you are you actually quite conscious of that of seeing what other lads your age are doing in life? You know, is that something that you actually would be you would be actually mindful of? Well, no, because I still feel physically I'm fine. If I was mm. physically not fine and I was starting to see people run past me or if I was looking at the stats that we'd get after each week of games and I suddenly my stats were lower and lower, then I'd be starting to panic on, right, the end is coming for me. I don't think I'm there yet because the stats won't, the stats will back me up. So, but when that time comes, yeah, you will. Because, like, listen, all you know is football and you, you've, you've done it for so many years. Listen, everybody has to retire. I and mean, that time comes, it will be um, a tough day. But at the moment, my body's allowing me to um, to still continue love what I do uh, every day, you know, training. You know, you do. You, I mean, you do feel privileged. You don't take it for granted. Because when you were younger, you know, I, you know, you go play for Fingal, it was full-time football. You go back to bed for the afternoon. It was, <laughs> like, that's what it was, genuinely. But, like, I look back on them days and laugh. Because I just graduated from college. I kind of had a couple of years to, that I'd kind of maybe, I said to myself, right, you can, you can enjoy going back to bed. But uh, them days are long gone. So, no, listen, it's, um, it's definitely, listen, it's the end will come for everybody and every walk of life. For me now, I'm definitely not there, but I'm continuing to plan just because that's that's how I was raised as well. Like, I mean, it's a short career, but you know, like I'm enjoying it right now, and I want to continue to enjoy it. Yeah, to be fair, not not not, not a lot of lads actually go out to wing back later in their career. They must you must be an yeah. okay shape. That's, that's what I was going to say. Then they tend yeah. to start coming in and playing in front of the back four or something like that. You know yeah, I mean? like but, is that is that that you've kind of um, is that that you're too good not to play in the team, or is that you actually have looked after yourself that well in your career. Now, if it involved sleeping during the day a lot, maybe that's the answer. But I'm, I'm genuinely wondering, you don't get 33, you're going to be 33 this year, you don't get 33-year-old wingbacks, particularly at the best team in the country. Yeah, I think a lot of um, Like, yeah, it is about looking after yourself. But I think you've, genetically I've been lucky as well. Like, I mean, I think that pays a part of it as well. I would have, you know, older siblings that are still in good shape. And I kind of maybe knew that I'd um, still be able to go later on in life. So, uh, but I do, listen, I take care of myself as best I can. Uh, listen, you're training every day, so you're giving yourself the best chance possible to be in the best shape you can be. Um, and the intensity in training is actually very, very high. So, I mean, you've got to be at it each day to, um, <laughs> to maintain that level of fitness. But 
no, listen, my brother's sisters, they're in good shape. They're older than me. So I kind of knew that I'd have half a chance. Good. So listen, Ronan, just final question, actually, before we let you go. It's funny you mentioned that experience that you have. I'm just looking at, I don't know how much training you do with, say, the second team and how often they come in out there around you. But, like, do you look at someone like Kevin Zeffi now who scored at, like, what, 15 for the first division team last week? I mean, do you speak to these lads? Because obviously they're probably at another stage of life where there's a lot of hype around Kevin, like, for example, and these lads. And do you, do you speak to them and, and chat to them about their own expectations? Yeah, I, I know Kevin well because I would have coached Kevin like last year and we would have on the he would have been 14th last year, but geez, he's graduated very quickly. He he should be playing 15s. I mean, Joey would help coach the 15s, so he should be one of our boys, but he certainly bypassed us and he's bypassed the 17s and he's bypassed the 19s <laughs> and now he's in. Like, I mean, it's it's some graduation, but hey, like he's just an extremely talented kid. Um, like raw ability, you know, proper, like both street footballer and like he's he's a strong boy. He's not a kid. Like you know, he'd be able to handle men's football, and he's proven that. But you come in train Russ regularly enough, and like I mean, like, you 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 treat him like a man because you can't tiptoe around him because he's playing football now that. He will get hurt and he's well able for a Kev. Like he's a, you know, he's able to take, he loves contact. He actually loves using his body. He'd be quite strong. Like, so he'd, uh, he's a really bright future. But like anything, you need to be level-headed. Mm. You know, as soon as you, um, as soon as you lose that, um, you know, thinking you all of a sudden, you see your name in the paper, you see your name, you're looking for your name on Twitter, you're looking for your name here and there the world can suddenly uh, transpire against you. And all of a sudden, when you're not hitting them heights, people love to knock you. Mm. So, like, it's gas. Like, you know, I've always said, when things are going well, just take it and destroy it because when things aren't going so well, it'll be the same people that are hammering you. So, I mean, any kid coming through, well, that's the advice I'd be giving. Just don't think, don't get ahead of yourself because you might be looking for your name in the paper on a Saturday morning after a Friday night game. But, Trust me, like, you know, things can unravel very fast. And you've got to take the good with the good, but, you know, take the bad, because the bad will come and at certain time, times in your career. And you just got to, you got to roll with it. You got to have the mental strength to, you know, to, when things are going well, be, you know, enjoy it, but also be level-headed. But when things are going bad, you like, mentally strong. I think that's a really, really profound uh, answer to a guy who came on against Longford and by all accounts could have gotten a hat-trick at 15 years of age in 20 minutes or so. Ronan, it's brilliant having you on and uh, obviously on behalf of LOI Weekly, we wish you the best against Milan and before that, obviously, hope you have a good game against Cork. Yeah. Oh, lovely lads. Thanks for having this. Cheers, Ronan. Thanks very much. Cheers, man. Cheers, Ida. Bye-bye. Don't forget to visit lottoland.ie forward slash sportsbook where you'll find all the odds and weekly special bets for the SSC Artricity Premier Division. This week with the return of the Premier League, Lottoland is offering two price boosters. The first of which is a combo bet of Premier League and the LOI. Back Bowes, Rovers, Liverpool and Spurs from 92 to 6s. And you can back Filippo Giovanoli's Dundalk to win and Shells not to score boosted from 5-4-7-4. That is an attractive bet if you believe in the Italian project. Visit lotoland.e forward slash sportsbook. Yeah, uh, pretty pretty sensible stuff from Ronan Finn. But in fairness, Dan, this man deserves a lot of credit for going as well as he is. This is no league for old men and certainly not a right wing back. He's, like, he's a credit to himself and he's still such a hugely influential player. And I would suspect... 
that his experience has been important, as he referenced there. They're not exactly a team full of league winners. I expect, because Rovers mentally have, they do, they do look a lot more with it than they used to be. Yeah, yeah, no, like it's, 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 uh, like, first of all, like Roman's like had a, probably one of the, the great recent League of Ireland careers, really, like, you know, and someone who definitely uh, at times in his career probably could have operated at a better level, but is, as, as quite interesting there, like, he's also reached a sort of an understanding of what he needs to do off the pitch as well, too. And he's got to the stage where, you know, he's, he's probably, he's got a plan and a focus in mind about what he wants to do. And, you know, did he necessarily ever need to go over and play sort of League One or League Two for the sake of it? You know, yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure at times, you know, when he was younger, that might have appealed, you know, if the right move had come up and he, he had opportunities to go away, probably around the same time that Sean Williams did. He's had a terrific career, you know. Mm. So it's a funny one, but like he's he's uh you know, he's a, a sort of a multiple league winner. I suppose he's um he is himself and Stephen O'Donnell uh, and Kilduff actually, you know, they're that they've played in both of the group stage campaigns of Irish clubs, you know. So clearly, like there's there's no there's no coinc- there's no coincidence about sort of the characters that you're talking about that are have been involved in those, like particularly with Finn and O'Donnell as sort of you know midfield characters, like quality players who who lead a dressing room on and and you know the, the move to Dundalk probably the move from Dundalk, sorry, um, was probably short term pain uh, in some degree, you know, and football pain but probably long-term gain in terms of, of where he's at with his life, you know, being based in Dublin at a certain stage of his career. So Absolutely, um, yeah. They'll probably be Cork, but um, I, I actually do fancy them to... I, I've applied for accreditation for the game, and I'm not sure if I'll get it. I'm hoping to get there, but I fancy that they actually will give Milan... I think they'll give them a game. Yeah, listen, we'll talk about it next week. I don't think we need to do, like, overboard because we're going to have two European games next week. But I see your point. I mean, I suppose if anything you've seen with the international games in the last week, you know, that the teams that are in a bit of pre-season mode mm. uh, versus teams that are a bit sharper, that there can be differences. Uh, like, even the, the Finnish player who was outstanding, Robert, Robert Taylor, is a Norwegian league player, played for Brand, albeit he only joined them. He wasn't there last year when they played Rovers. He joined them over the winter. But you could see with a couple of the Nordic and uh, Scandinavian-based <laughs> players that that they um, you didn't use Scandinavian in your match report, did you? No, God, I'm, I'm I'll just have to go and the Sam Bennett being claimed to be British today, like didn't go down well with Sean Kelly. Delete it, delete it from the dark web. Um, <laughs> anyway, like, you know, yeah. but but, but there, I think there possibly is a point that what you have with Rovers that they're a team that does try and keep the ball. So I guess if you have a team that's in pre-season that's a bit sluggish. You know, and they're just like, oh, God, we're coming. And they're just pinging it a small bit. Yeah, I can see how they can be competitive. But we'll talk about it next week. They're also I presume going to be you're like, going, yeah? They're, they're top-class professionals. They're going to be well-conditioned. Yeah, I would assume so anyway. So, um, it's, it's, listen, it's, it's still a big event. But obviously, it's, 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 there's an element of uh, a small element of anti-climax about the build-up because you don't have that ticket rush and all, all that goes with it. But um, we'll talk about that next week. It was this week. It's, it's weird because the dog didn't play last week with the internationals. I've gone up to the dog shells. This shells see. game is fascinating. Air, on, air, on sport, game on, air yeah. sport game on Friday. September like, the 11th actually, and uh, Dundalk versus Shells. I, I, I actually, I like Shells this season. I think they're well set up to take on uh, teams away from home. What are we expecting from our favourite Italian in the league? Uh, well, you see, this is the thing. It is actually his first league game. So I'm sort of interested. Like the Cove game, and, and listen, Cove actually had a good run of results, so I'm not just going to flippantly go, oh, it was only Cove. But I guess still, like, you know, you still expect a full-time Premier club to beat a, 
you know, a first division club. So you couldn't really say, oh, positive signs here. Um, you know, the pitch was a bit was a bit iffy as well. Um, I suppose people could say that about Oriel too. But I think actually after like basically two weeks on the training ground, um, and what you have is, you know, apparently like, you know, an intense enough sort of run of, of preparation. But let's let's see, is, is there a pattern? I think actually anything that happened in Cove was so short notice. I don't even think you could attribute it to the new team in any way. Whereas mm. I think now what happens on Friday um, and like how they, how they set up and even just how they approach the game, like it was definitely a, a scattiness in the final couple of weeks. And obviously there was a lot of stuff going on off the pitch, but even just falling 2-0 down at home to Waterford and, and just things that you don't expect in dog teams. They're just really sloppy. It'll be interesting to see because they have a big European game next week, which they'll fancy themselves to, to win. And then potentially, you know, another game the week after. So it's almost like they've had two weeks in the long grass to prepare. And let's see if there's actually, if, if there's something coming that, that represents improvement or is it just like, uh, you know, it's, it's just a massive false dawn and, and, and it's going to be more the same. Um, but that's probably one of the more interesting, I mean, Cork Rovers, you know, massive game at both ends. But like, I, I think every game you look at in the fixture list now, you can find an angle in it because everyone yeah. has something to play for. There's not, there's not one team in the league at the moment in that mid-table uh, yeah. l- yeah. l- lull. And I mean, the other thing, I think we'll talk about this a bit more, uh, in coming weeks, because obviously with Niall Quinn leave, uh, you know, this departed as well for slipping the radar a small bit on Monday. Um, like we actually don't really know what type of league we're going to have for 2021. We don't know where we're going to be at with crowds, what we're going to, and as a result, does that impact teams with budgets and all of these things? So this is normally the time of the year where clubs are looking to sign, and and I know there's a bit of that going on, but I think it's actually it's actually quite hard to plan in in the way that the people normally would. And uh, but but in a weird way, because everyone's fate is is tied up. Are you going to qualify for Europe? Are you going to win the league? Or what are you going to do? That it's actually going to be a pretty interesting couple of weeks ahead. Um, Absolutely, um, where, where a lot of things can happen. But we we'll 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 have we'll have no shortage of things to discuss. Um, yeah, and we can we can talk about the European games maybe next week. Well, the, the games the games this week, uh, Bowes against Watford, like, it's just fascinating that all these games matter so much for both teams. And that's going to be the, basically the case for the, I think, for the rest of the season. Every game, more or less, is going to matter. Bowes against Watford, who are, shouldn't, shouldn't be unnoticed, are, have done really well in some respects under John Sheridan. Dundalk Shells, I wonder how uh, Shane, Shane Dawson, I, I don't know if he's presenting, he was presenting, maybe presenting Davey last week. One of the most partisan characters you'll ever get in the league. So if he is presenting that game... Remember that you're not a Shelburne fan for the night chain. You're representing the League of Ireland and you're representing Air Sport. Well, coming from me, that's a bit rich considering. Anyway, Cork City versus Shamrock Rovers uh, on Saturday. Pat's that's right, just, that was just the thank you. Everyone just got the worst head talk of all time there. Yeah. The, the boy Dawson, the last time I saw him, I think, or last time I saw him at the game was when, they, when he was in tears in United Park. But uh, he did a great job presenting on Saturday. He's presenting debut. Pats against Sligo, I don't know, Dan. I just find this fascinating. And then obviously Finn Harps, Derry City. Pats Sligo, I think, this is the type of game if Pats win, they start, it could be the, the, the kind of U-turn their season needs. But Sligo win and they're thinking we could actually finish second here. Yeah, it might just be a draw then. In that it case, could be know, a draw. Let's predict a draw. <laughs> <'Cause> like, <laughs> yeah, it can go yeah. in any. It can go in any direction. But um, Cabin TV yeah. would expect we'll get back to winning ways at home to Athlone. Wexford play Bray. Galway versus Shamrock Rovers. Second team Cove home to UCD. Longford draw a massive game there. 
um, in Longford. And that concludes the fixtures this weekend. Big games all around, Dan. They all are, yeah. And uh, we, 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 will, we, will, uh, we will have plenty to, to pour over next week. We've had two good chats with the lads this week anyway. Two, two senior figures in the league, Caulfield mm. and Finn. You know, so we yeah, can, you, you you were playing ball yeah. beforehand as well. Like it's funny, um, Ronan Fumes on about how his body hasn't let him down yet. Like, at what point did you feel like I can't do the things I used to be able to do? Because it is quite like I came back from lockdown. Fourteen, 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 I was 14 years of age. Yeah, I was going to say like thirty-two or something, but yeah, yeah, yeah I, I can did, see. Did cruise yet when I was twenty-three? But uh, yeah, it was probably that was the end of that. Yeah. Uh, good to hear from you as ever. Great to hear you. Great to hear from you. Listen, we're 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 about thirty eight. I've I've just turned thirty eight. You're about mm. to go thirty eight. So like we have an affinity towards the older guests. So I think it's good to have like <laughs> you know, you know, to to relatively, you know, someone older and someone who's like you know born in the eighties. Kevin Zeffy, like to be fair, like he's fifteen. Now I haven't yeah. seen him, but. Like the the game in Tala, like half the chat before the game was on about the Longford game against the second team the night before because this kid came on and everyone was like, this is a bit ridiculous when you think about what age he is. And he could have gotten a hat-trick apparently. And I was like, Jesus, how like I haven't seen this kid. I know you've heard a lot about him. I don't know. Like it's mad. It's like I remember when I was 15. He was born, he was born around the time, like 2005. Like what were you at then? My, the my, my life was now. already going downhill like at that stage. So I was, what, 23 so, like, my, I had a great future behind me when he was born. I don't know about... You were 23. What were you? You were coming out of UCD, scrapping a living with various organizations, I suppose. Yeah. Anyway, look at, listen, now. look at us now. Let's finish the show, Johnny. We're done. We're done. We'll be back next week. That was episode 90. But there are limits to your life.